Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. I hope you're all doing well today. This episode is part two of my interview with Guillaume, who is a polyglot and language teacher from Belgium. In part one, you heard him speak in French and Flemish, which are two of Belgium's official languages. But in this part, we're going to dive right into a quick recap of his nine languages. And of course, he's going to speak about them in those languages. Now, don't worry, we will provide a transcription and translation of what he says on my webpage. But for now, I want to challenge you to not skip ahead and to just listen to these languages. Even if you don't understand what he's saying, you can still take in the beauty of how they sound. And I also want to give you an added challenge to try and use some knowledge you have of other languages to help you understand what he's saying in a language that maybe you haven't studied yet. Now, don't worry, this doesn't last the entire episode. We do go back to English and we talk about motivation and how he maintains his nine languages, as well as some teaching techniques. And we talk about which language Guillaume thinks all students should learn first before they start any other foreign language. I hope you enjoy this episode. Where Remind us quickly, the... what are the nine and in what order? Yeah, so um, Francais comme langue maternelle, bien sûr. Yeah. Uh, English as like my love language. Then I have Dutch. Dus ik heb al een paar zinnen in het Nederlands gezegd. Um, then there is Spanish. Um, y bueno, para explicar rápidamente, um, mm -hmm. yo hice un Erasmus en Valencia, en España, hace, desde hace tres años, y mm -hmm. uh, tenía el, el, A1, el B1 cuando llegué y tenía el C1 cuando, cuando, me, cuando, cuando mi Erasmus se... Explícanos qué hiciste ahí para... Ah, practiqué mucho con intercambios. Hice como ah. dos o tres intercambios cada semana. Y cada uno era durante una, una hora hasta cuatro horas, porque era, era en, en, bar, en bares en la ciudad. No era uh -huh. con, como, con, uh, con Skype. Era Practicaste mucho, bar, mucho. Practicando con gente que no conocía en inglés, en, en español, un poquito de francés. Uh -huh. y, um, porque había un, un bar cerca de donde vivía. Uh -huh. Y entonces, cada vez que había un intercambio, lo, lo iba. Sí. Uh -huh. Y. Y después, bueno, también viajes con grupos de, 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 de Erasmus, sí. con mm -hmm. mucha gente hispanohablante que venía de América Latina mm -hmm. um, y que hablaba solamente español. Así que para sí. mí era genial. Y un poquito de Netflix y de libros, pero era más hablando con la gente. ¿Cuánto tiempo estabas ahí? Nueve, uh, ocho, ocho y, y, y media. Okay. ¿Ocho que... meses? Ocho meses y media. Ah, oh, ok. ¿Dos semestres o uno? Dos. Entonces era para todo el año. Yo tenía una beca para enseñar uh, francés como uh -huh. mesas de conversación uh, en la universidad. Y así que tenía un trabajo bastante, bastante calmo porque no tenía tanto trabajo. 12 horas que tenía que enseñar cada semana. Uh -huh. y, así que podía hacer intercambios después del trabajo y por la noche. Lo practiqué sí, muchísimo. Sí. Y por eso que llegué al C1 y tenía mucha motivación porque mm, amo esa, esa lengua. Mm. Y, y mejoré también mi español escrito con, una, 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 con mi coach de donde estaba, que era profesor también de, de catalán y de, y de español. Mm. Y ahí que empecé a aprender el valenciano. Ah, sí. Es una, una variación del, del catalán que es visto como una, una, una lengua oficial. Hey, uh, no sé nada de esto. <ríe> y bueno, es, 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 es casi lo mismo que, que el catalán. Mm -hmm. y, entonces empecé ahí a practicar, pero no lo podía hablar. Y ahora, desde hace un, un, unos meses, 
eh, he estado practicando la, la lengua y con esa amiga eh, Carmen de, de Barcelona y ahora llegué al, al B1 en catalán. Ay, ¡Qué bueno! Eh, ¡Enhorabuena! Me, me gusta mucho, pero, pero entonces en, 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 en Valencia no lo podía mejorar pasar porque yo quería mejorar el español primero. Sí, sí, tiene. Um, Tenías el... otra, otra meta. <risa> pero sí, ya, que, ya, ya hablas pero muy bien español. Después... Sí. Después volví a, al catalán. Sí. Uh, so Spanish the, the fourth language. Um, después yo también aprendí portugués que yo, que yo gusto mucho. Amo mucho esa lengua. Um, aprendí mucho el año pasado haciendo un intercambio con una amiga de Fortaleza del Brasil. Uh -huh. um, es, es una lengua que yo practiqué mucho por muchos meses. Um, ahora no tanto, pero siempre es una lengua de, de mi corazón. Es una lengua muy importante para mí. So, fifth language, Portuguese. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, edo por italiano. Yo pensaba cuando... Me ha dado problemas con el italiano porque pensaba que lo podría uh, imparar muy velozmente, imparar en tres meses, por ejemplo, porque pensaba que uh, uh, imparando el vocabulario podría uh, uh, imparar la lengua así, simplemente mm. con el vocabulario básico, pero no era así fácil. Y, o ha avuto bisogno di alcuni anni per, uh, per raggiungere il B1 dopo il B2 um, e adesso faccio un intercambio uh, mm -hmm. e parlo italiano ogni settimana per, per mezz'ora e scrivo anche, um, adesso sto scrivendo una storia in, in Italia. Ah oh, sì, uh, hopefully I'll be able to read it one day. <laughs> lo, lo pubblicherò nel mio mi, mi sito um, quando, dopo quando sarà terminato. Mm -hmm. So that was Italian. Um, después uh, el catalán, que es la última lengua que, que aprendí. Que en cada regla es un poco difícil, pero, pero um, pienso que, que um, arribaré a un nivel un poco mejor um, después de, de algunos uh, meses. Es una, una lengua que, que, que amo también, um, pero que en cada es un. I think it is un poco difícil. So that was uh, Catalan, mm -hmm. which is still sometimes a bit difficult to use. Um, yeah, you should check my um, my friend Marissa, who is also a guest. She has Catalan resources on her webpage, Relearn a Language. So it's also, mm -hmm. she loves Catalan and she it's talked a lot about it. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. language. Yeah, they do um, have easy Catalan. I saw the videos. Yeah, it's, it's extremely useful. It's extremely mm -hmm. useful because of the subtitles and they have a very yeah. good pronunciation. I love the easy videos. So that, was, that was a nice step before going on to movies because I watched um, a series on Netflix which helped me a lot, but that was too hard at first. And then I speak also a bit Deutsch. But that is not a language that I benutzt ich will benutzt also ich kann eine Konversation haben in, in Deutsch aber mein Wörterschatz ist, ist sehr schlecht und ich benutze die das äh, Grammatik von von äh, Niederländisch uh, so German <laughs> is like one of my weakest languages because I never use it but I can yeah. still thanks to Dutch maintain it and have a conversation with it like my word order and grammar is quite good thanks to mm -hmm. Dutch but my vocabulary is yeah Yeah, I learned it because it, it is it is an important language, but and I really wanted to have it, but it's it's uh, I only use it when necessary. Right, uh, it's so hard to build vocab too. I feel like that's a big struggling point. You can get to a certain level with mm -hmm. a, you know a certain number of words, but then to really pass that intermediate, that lower intermediate that's it, that's into it. the more and advanced. You have so many words to learn. So many um, words. <laughs> Esperanto. 
Okay, mi, mi ne pensas ke vi konas ĉi tie ĉi tiu uh, lingvon. Estas um, estas lingvon um, ke do mi mi komencis uh, lerni Esperanton. Uh, mi pensas ke mi mi lernis Esperanton dum kvin kvar kvin uh, jarojn, sed mi ne mi ne lernis multege estintese, uh, sed nun mi lernas uh, iomete uh, pli kaj mi uzas ĝin uh, multege kun laumoi en haipia en la grupon de 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 poli de de poliglotoin kai mi ne uzas jin multege sed mi shatas uzi jin kek foye kun aliain homoin so that was esperanto which i i don't use it very much i i i i would like to use it more but you know you can't do everything right but so i can still use it i can still speak it this is when you know you've reached top polyglot level when you can speak Esperanto. <laughs> the first time I heard it was at the polyglot conference. They had little lessons. You know, I've yeah. I've heard about it before that, but I never studied it. I never searched it out. But then they were like having these free classes every you know a couple of days. So I went and I was like, oh, okay, it's very uh, this like very logical. Like once you can like learn the grammar, you're like, okay, the, 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 this this letter makes this. This letter makes a verb. This letter makes you know an adjective. Like. A, there's a lot of logic to it, which is really, I like that. I have like that kind of math brain, same with grammar. That's why I like grammar because I think it's logical. I like to understand why this thing causes this thing. It's like an equation. Yeah, that's it. I also see language is a bit like a math problem. Like you have mm -hmm. rules and you apply them. Um, so what's what's great with Esperanto is that you have absolutely no, um, nothing that goes outside of the rule. It's just, everything is logical, everything is, <laughs> The way it is supposed to be, and you never have a point like, why is this like this? No, it just you, you know why. Like conjugation, it's you have there. There is no more regular language than that, and uh, there is no real regularity. And tense, you cannot make an easier system for tenses. It just mm -hmm. it has been made to be an easy, and uh, you, you can you can already speak it after um, like less than less than one hour. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah it's and what's it's what's interesting also is that since it is based on other languages you can see where words mm -hmm. come from like yeah. uh, like um, to speak it's uh, parole parole mm -hmm. in French yeah. you know in root and uh, parlare and, from Italian has the mm -hmm. romance exactly. root versus the Germanic root yeah, you, it, the more you know about languages the more you see the connections exactly that's it and you have a, a few words from Polish as well because a creator is a Polish guy Polish yeah. Uh, I, that's why I learned the word "chu" to make a, a like a question. "Chu vi avas monon," for example, that's like a question, mm -hmm. uh, and that comes from from Polish. Che. Yeah, che, Polish. So when I, <laughs> I, I, I think I I did Polish before I tried Esperanto, and I thought, ah, that rings a bell. I saw that somewhere, and that was in Polish. Even that concept is interesting. How languages have like a word. You know, French has the s but it's kind of wordy, um, mm. but like. Uh, Arabic has um, hal, like there's all these like languages that have this one word that you put at the beginning and then it's like mm -hmm. ch, and then you just put the, you know, ch te mówisz po polsku, like do you speak Polish? But you just have to put that that word in the beginning. It's just, I really, I feel bad for people learning English because the do you speak and then it changes. It's a and then <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, does he, you have to change it. And my kids, they're native Polish speakers and their English is their second language and they're always messing up those kind of constructions like they just they say things literally how it would be in polish so like he there is and i'm like oh no he is there <laughs> so it's funny they're always translating word for word it's it's cute
Right you now, know, it's cute. I, I struggled to learn how to make questions in, in English, but it's you just have to, with inputs, you just make them automatically. But uh, at first, yeah. I, I was like, where is the rule? How does it work? Yeah. And now when I have to teach it, I'm, well, I, I have a very good explanation as to how you teach it. So usually people get it. But uh, it's, yeah, you have a certain rule you have to follow, especially when you, when you want to make a question with a past symbol, like, did you go? You have to think about using the reflective do, putting it in a past symbol. Yeah, um, it's and, tricky. Uh, and uh, so the, the rules are easy to explain because you have, you need to have an auxiliary, either it is there, can, uh, do half and Will, so on. Either yeah. you don't, and you have to add this do. But uh, it's difficult to talk like fluently without. Well, with if you think about the rule, it has to just come out come naturally. Yeah, we can't overthink too much. I think that that's in, something a lot of us struggle with is we overthink. <laughs> and still, in other languages, it's easy. Like in French, you just switch the two, like verb yeah. and object, and you you get a question in, yeah, like in two pounds, pounds two. <laughs> yeah that's it it's it's well french speakers do, don't do that that often it's uh, more formal they say yeah. est-ce que tu parles they say est-ce que uh, but yeah. it's it's the same one word that you that you put at the, at the front just like to uh be it in esperanto or or in polish so yeah. you don't have to think about uh, do does did and, and that kind of things yeah uh, i'm not i never really thought about it too much i mean teaching esl a little bit and then now with my kids i'm like oh god like you know don't use the S, don't, you know, it's go, it's not goes, it's just mm -hmm. kind of correcting them as they're, as they're learning. It's funny. And, and you know what I, you, know, you remember what I said about that, uh, that teacher who uh, didn't mm -hmm. really like me and liked to make fun of me. Well, when I improved my level, she began to get the liking to, to, to like how I like the student yeah. was. And uh, we, we ended up being friends. Mm -hmm. And um, so she helped me when I was in a, at university with uh, correcting things for me and so on. And in the end, the f so after I, I, I decided to be a teacher and mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to help people who struggled as who are struggling as much as I did and to show them, you think you can't learn a language? Look at my past. I was a polynaut. I, <laughs> the, I, it took me 15 years to learn Dutch. Look at me now. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I show them if you think you can't. Well, Nobody was worse than me. It took me 15 years and like- And you still did it. <laughs> but you know what was, what was crazy when I was about 18, I was on the seaside with a friend and I wanted to, to buy an ice cream. Mm -hmm. I could not even say, uh, can I have an ice cream please in Dutch? Mm -hmm. I could not even say that after 15, almost 15 years of contact with Dutch, I could not say that. And then I thought there is a problem and you know, after I succeeded in learning English, I thought, well, I, I, I had issues with English and I did learn it and now I'm pretty good. Why not do the same with Dutch? Mm -hmm. And it took me more time because I lacked motivation. I liked interest in the language, but yeah. what I did was a challenge. English was a challenge, Dutch was an even bigger one because I thought I've never been able to learn it. Mm. What if I could? It was a dream to speak it. You know, it's it's like you think that there is something that you could never possibly get. Imagine you could get it. Imagine yeah. it's a possibility. I thought you have learned one language. Why would Dutch be any different? Mm -hmm. It's the same language family. They're mm -hmm. like, if my brain could absorb one, why not two? Mm -hmm. And so I did try. And but it was harder because there was less material. So that's why I really struggled. But yeah. I use certain materials like um, like uh, Wablift, which is uh, like uh, a magazine made for uh, 
an adult learning Dutch in Belgium. Oh, and it's okay. with simplified articles. Uh, mm -hmm. And I took a one year subscription and I had one issue every week. So it was about oh, wow. 12 pages with full of pictures and stuff. So quite easy to digest. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember what I did with listening, but it took me a lot of time. I, I even tried watching Harry Potter in Dutch. That was something. <laughs> and uh, after, so uh, it took me about two to three years to get from zero or like, um, yeah, almost zero to like full into like full beginner to about high A2, small B1. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of my secondary school years, I could, I had about an B1, a B1 in Dutch. That's why yeah. I saw you can learn a language and it's fun. Mm -hmm. so I was in love with English and I could speak Dutch and I even enjoyed speaking it. Mm -hmm. So in my first year at university, I um, got these languages stronger because when you get to university, it's it's harder. So you, yeah. I really had to like improve these two languages. And so at the end of that year, I thought, let's try something else. And that's when I began getting into Spanish. It took me one year to get to B1 by following also a class at university. Mm -hmm. And in my third year of university, so I was in Erasmus and I thought, okay, I have learned three languages so far, let's continue. And then I, I experimented, I made plenty of mistakes. So I tried mm -hmm. at the same time while maintaining French, English and Dutch, I tried uh, while well, Spanish was on the side because I wanted to leave it a bit space. So I tried at the same time, Italian, German, Esperanto, ancient Greek, and Latin. Um, of course, I, I beautifully failed. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, nothing came, well, I, I did learn a few things, but I could not learn these languages. I couldn't speak yeah. them. I mean, um, it's hard to do too much. You, you bit off more than you could chew, but that's what happens. You, your confidence built and built and built. And then you thought, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it was just too much. That's I've been it. there. I, yeah. I tried too much and I could not. So that's why I saw one at a time, right? And so I had my period where I learned only German, only Italian. Uh, but in the issue after that was maintaining because I thought, okay, I can speak that language to be one level like Spanish. Uh, let's go to another one. And so I would Spanish, I would leave Spanish on the side and think I will never lose it. And so I learned Italian. And when I got to A to B1, I would put it on the side and try German and so on. And when you leave a language and you don't speak it or practice it for a month, two months, three months, you mm -hmm. lose it. Mm -hmm. And I was frustrated that I could not maintain them because I, at a point I could speak them quite well. Yeah. But then later on, I discovered that if you want to maintain, you have to practice mm. regularly. And okay. so at, at a point I had learned, uh, so um, I had learned to speak German, I had learned to speak Italian and then I thought, well, I tried to analyze how, how comes I can't speak these languages because Spanish, I could maintain it because of having uh, an intensive class at university and, and having learned it over the course of an entire year regularly. So it's mm -hmm. hard to maintain. And so what I did was I decided that whenever I would stop learning a new language, uh, stop learning a language and try another one, I would maintain the language I had learned. Yeah. So I, I studied Spanish, Oh, no, Italian and while trying Portuguese, for example, I would maintain Italian and I would have a daily, uh, a weekly conversation practice with a native speaker, Spanish, uh, mm. Italian, once a week. Yeah. That way I would not forget it. And that's enough. And so when I, I kept on adding languages while maintaining the ones I had. So mm -hmm. then when I was uh, into Portuguese, I already had a C1 in Spanish and I did Portuguese for 
months and months and months while maintaining the others. Mm -hmm. And then when I had uh, added German and, uh, and Portuguese, so when I had managed to, to, to maintain that, and I, I, I tried new languages while maintaining these ones. And then I, um, so sometimes I would put a language on the side knowing that I could come back to it easily, like for German and mm -hmm. Esperanto. I had already learned these languages a bit, could not speak it, but I thought that's for later. And so when I got to these two languages, which were the only ones that I could not speak yet, mm -hmm. I, I went right into them while maintaining the others because I thought there was no way that I would accept to forget one of these languages. I want to be able yeah. to speak any of them anytime. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. while getting German in my head in Esperanto, which I could not speak yet, I maintained the others. Mm -hmm. And then at a point, like, if, like it was maybe last year, I could maintain the eight. And then I had Catalan and I thought, okay, I will do a regular practice of Catalan with vocab, with listening and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I want to use every one of the eight on a day on a weekly basis some of them on a daily basis catalan mm -hmm. for example portuguese mm -hmm. and so because of my weird story I've, I've been trying to to motivate people to try to 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 give their best and to to show them to prove them that even if you think you're not talent you don't have talents is scarce in language learning yeah. not many people have a talent i have no talent otherwise i would not have taken 15 years to speak dutch mm -hmm. um, and so i really try to show them talent is not everything because very yeah. few polyglots have a talent and it's hard uh, work it, I, dedication yeah, it's, it's that's it it's hard work people don't notice how much time you put into it moses how many hours is, is spent on a talkie it's just mm -hmm. mind-blowing <laughs> and um and so that's why i've i've made articles on my website and videos on youtube to mm -hmm. try to rekindle uh people's desire to get there and um I always try to motivate people by telling my story and trying to like asking them what is stopping you what is what is difficult mm -hmm. like what's happening what, why do you think you cannot learn and try to debunk the myth that we have when they say i'm too old no you're not too old look at steve kaufman he learned I know. more than half of his language when he was already retired this guy is just incredible he's incredible he's it's just and his his motivation is like it inspired so many people. All these people like Richard, like Steve, uh, Benny Lewis, uh, mm -hmm. all these people, Moses McCormick, how many people has he motivated? Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't need to be the best polyglot ever to, to be in this community and to talk with people, to be motivated and motivate people. Right. And what's amazing with this polyglot community, if you look at what, what Richard says, um, is that even if you only speak one language, you can come. Exactly. We yeah, don't care how many you speak. We don't as long as you're interested. Now. Yeah. I say it's a question of passion. We don't care if you have a talent, if you, what religion you have, which country you come from, if you're a guy or a girl or anything else. Right. We don't care. Just come and let's have some fun. And that's an amazing message. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, always try to show people if I can, you can. And uh, you can get motivation. If like, I think that if, if people could learn Esperanto at school and see how easy it is to learn a language, yeah. imagine the impact. It would be funny to have a, a Esperanto proposed in schools in Brussels, because mm. I think that might be a game changer for some students, because most of them in Dutch, they suck. But why do they suck? Because there is a cultural influence, uh, because people believe it is difficult, that it's ugly. Yeah. There is a strange word order, but 
there are very, very easy grammatical explanations to them. And strange to whom, right? To us as English speakers, to you as a yeah. French speaker, because French and English have the same order, but it's all relative, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> But it. I think you're so right that um, so many students, so I was a high school French and Spanish teacher, and, you know, when you say there's an irregular or this is an exception, it's like, of course it is. Oh, French has so many exceptions. And the Spanish past tense is like all exceptions and all irregular, you know, it's just that's so discouraging to them so i think to have a language like esperanto that's so regular that's just so simplified it's like boiled down to the essence like mm -hmm. this is a verb this is an adjective this is a noun even just right. to help them know what those words mean in english we don't like in america at least we don't learn grammar kids don't even know what an adverb versus an adjective are i yeah, have to teach that to my high school students <laughs> i have the same issue because when i teach grammar i ask my well so i i always try to like I ask them a question, I want them to go with the answer, and if they don't know, just try again. Mm -hmm. And um, when I ask them about adverbs, adjectives, nouns, uh, preposition, they struggle. And I'm like, I, I, I can understand why some of them make mistakes in French or right. in, in, well, in Dutch or in English when they, well, even their French, they don't know what, what an adjective is. It's exactly. Between adjective and adverb. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not so complicated, but I think there is a lack of motivation and of interest, and I think the school system has a role to play there. Mm -hmm. And because um, imagine if we could have classes where students have fun, give them Duolingo for for the first five to ten minutes. That's all, I, that would already be a game changer. I did have my students sign up for Duolingo during our vacation, and I was the teacher. You could see all of their accounts and how you know, and they could all do their own pace. Mm -hmm. So some kids were past, you know, they flew through it some kids only did a little bit but yeah I did it as a as an extra credit but like yeah I had them I gave different homework over the vacation like to bring in um like find a video post it on google classroom and give an explanation why you chose it you know depending on the level if it's in the target language or not you know just like and it could be about cooking it could be a music video it could be whatever you know just something in french or spanish and they loved like that was like an easy homework because I didn't want to give them too much over uh -huh. let's say Christmas break um, we don't get, we get like one week. We don't really get the two week breaks that you guys are used to over there. But. You know, something I tried recently, um, uh, I was at my, my girlfriend's place and uh, well, she and, and her mother, they only speak French, but mm -hmm. they, my girlfriend has some beginner knowledge of English, but like understanding a movie, just drop it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I told them about Esperanto because I was speaking about language learning and, and my girlfriend said, uh, that she didn't believe in immersion and i told Ooh. her i told her i understand why you say so i didn't know in immersion did never worked for me in that but i will prove you wrong and i showed them an excerpt from uh evil dear's video evil dear is a youtuber who teaches esperanto and i okay. learned most of what i learned from esperanto is from his, his channel because i watch it a lot and i love his personal he's an actor is is wonderful <laughs> and he made a new channel where he teaches he teaches Esperanto with a direct method, which is in, he doesn't say anything in English, mm -hmm. but he shows on the blackboard. He writes things and he, he communicates with like body body language, body language, yeah, language, with gestures. It. And um, and he wrote things like basic things like me estas evil dear, I am evil dear, and then he wrote a few things and and he, and after five minutes, I, I so I stopped the video to see a bit why, what they thought and. They were on fire. They were interested because they said, oh, I need to do that and to this and I see the link and so on. And, yes. and, and I told them, well, uh, 
depending on how you use immersion, it can be wonderful. Of course, Esperanto is an easy language. If you try to do with that with Mandarin Chinese or with Russian or with Polish. Oh, no, but I've, I've had a successful, um, I was at a language conference and they did an immersion with us in Mandarin and they would just, it was like, we were in a circle and they had like, they taught us like very few words and she had a picture. And then we were speaking Mandarin, like by the end of it, we could have like a basic conversation. I forget the things we were saying. It was like, um, how are you? And then like, good. And then she taught us some other words, but it was like, like, give me this or something. I, it was like very useful, but it was amazing the way that they taught it. And there were only like two or three native speakers in the group. So they would sometimes help with the pronunciation um, mm -hmm. just because tones are difficult, but like it, I've never studied Mandarin other than that. And they, she got all of us saying it because you had to say the word to like move around. And it was, it was very, uh, like we were saying earlier about the different intelligences, it was like very movement-based, but you had to speak and it was small chunks. And I think you can definitely do it in any language, mm -hmm. <laughs> but your, your experience with your, um, your girlfriend and her mother reminds me of when I learned about inter-Slavic. I put, pulled a YouTube video up and we, we watched it with my husband and it was like, both of us were like, oh my gosh, I can understand this, you know, like, cause um, there's this, it's like Esperanto, but just for the Slavic languages. And it's really cool um, just to like, they pulled from all the different ones and you can kind of get the, the gist, you know, more or less, you have to obviously learn a little bit, but. Well, you know, when you, when you mentioned having this kind of classes with, uh, with uh, Mandarin, I mm -hmm. had a class in Mandarin, one hour and a half, we were like four, and we had a teacher who used kind of a, a paint document and she drew on it. So she's a teacher, so she knows how to teach that language. Yeah. And uh, I already had a bit of a basis. So I, in Mandarin, I'm, I think I'm still not at A1 because I'm memorizing a lot of vocab and my pronunciation still sucks, listening mm. very hard, but I'm taking my time and I'm enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And so I already had basis of, of vocab. And um, so when she was teaching, there are a few words I didn't know, but with context, you, you know, you learn how, what I mean. And after hearing a certain word 20, 30 times, you, you, yeah. you, I, still, I still have in my head the way she pronounces the word because, of, because she pronounced it so many times. And uh, I did learn a bunch of it. And yeah. at the end of the class, whilst I was soaked because of stress and because of, you know, the, the, the brain burning, yeah. But I thought I've just had an immersion class of one hour and a half with only Mandarin and I went through that. So yes. depending on how you do it, if you have a qualified teacher, of course it can work for, for Mandarin. All, all yeah. I was saying is with Esperanto, you can more easily like- Make um, connections. Dissect mathematically how it yeah. works. With Mandarin, with, yeah, with a language it's like- It's so Mandarin, different. You just have to like memorizing chunks. But mm -hmm. uh, with Esperanto, with how it was done, it, yeah, you can really cut things like uh, that's present, that's past, that's future, that kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's but if you if you could, if you we could even propose Esperanto in schools. Imagine a kid after one year gets to B one, let's say, that might fuel their interest and fuel their motivation. Because imagine a kid like my, my girlfriend. She said, "I've done 10, 10 years of English. I still can't speak it." Of course, the person will not be motivated I because. If you've struggled for 10 years and you have gone nowhere, of course you'll think you cannot learn it. But right. imagine you can do it with an easy language. You, you know you can, you know your brain is capable of doing that. You have already learned if you think about how to learn. Yeah, that it's like a stepping stone. That's it, stepping stones. Yeah. That's what I did with English. I began with a very easy thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I studied Shakespeare at university. 
Right. Of course you can, but uh, imagine the first language you ever come in contact with is Latin or ancient Greek. Uh, kids usually in Belgium, in Brussels at least, they began Latin in the first year of secondary school. They are 12. Mm -hmm. They do Latin before doing English. Um, well, Latin is an important language, nothing against it. I want to, to, I've already studied it a bit. I want to go further in there later on. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it, I'm just saying it might not be the best language to be the first language that a kid right. would study in order to fuel their motivation and show them, give them self-confidence. Right. Because if you want to do that, give them Esperanto, <laughs> give them uh, the easiest language and then go further with English, with that, with Latin. But it's also the way it's the way we teach them and you know latin is taught so differently than a, a, a spoken language i know i was asked to teach latin and i've never studied it and i was i just refused because i was like i don't know the history you don't teach a dead language the same way you teach a living language like french really? or spanish mm -hmm. it's just a whole different system but i also think we need to change a lot of the system of how we're teaching and yeah. especially the way i learned languages in france was just horrendous it was all translation i studied um, arabic at university at the university of Rennes for a year and I couldn't order a coffee at the end of the year. I could not say anything more than like salam alaikum because they didn't teach us to speak. Um, it was just all like translate this this um, like movie poster, translate this book review. And I was like, why am I sitting with a dictionary translating words when I can't even go into a store and order you know, a sandwich? Um, I couldn't do anything really with the language. And then we had, you know, civilization, like we had all these history classes behind it. We had translation, thème et version, going both ways. We had one hour of dialect, and then they switched our dialect halfway through the year from Syrian to Tunisian, which were completely different dialects. Like, oh my gosh, I was just getting comfortable with Syrian, and now you're switching <laughs> us to Tunisian, and this is, yeah. So I think we need to change the way we, we approach language, and we need to give kids more, uh, more options to choose their own materials. Like, yeah. Okay, I, I want we want to look at this, whatever it is, clothing unit, but like you choose something like, do you want to read a magazine? Do you want to, you know, go on a website and pretend to order a bunch of clothes? You know, there's so many ways that we can use technology and let kids have more ownership because they're not all going to want to just read the same article about clothing. Like that's, that's how like the old school was like, here's the book, here's the article everybody read it let's dissect the vocab like it's very boring <laughs> it's just it, it's 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 so true because when i was at university i so for my master's degree i i studied uh, i worked on motivation and how to motivate people mm -hmm. to study uh dutch so like what are the influences that will motivate french-speaking students to learn dutch and uh, so i worked on it for in in my bachelor and in my master's degree Mm -hmm. And uh, and indeed, if you want to motivate them, just give them choices, make them <laughs> actors of their learning process, um, let them choose things. So when I when I, I teach, uh, like last year, I I told them choose an article uh, when we work on a particular subject. Just choose an article. It could it could be an article. It could be a piece of like a video or mm -hmm. radio, whatever you want. It could be on Twitter. It could be anything. But, right. uh, have a choice like it's better if you can choose about something that you have exactly. a choice to make because you feel you're in power of mm -hmm. that um and at school where well, when you have 15 25 students it's difficult but i i think that one of the yes and no because then you could have them present you know each kid picks something different and then you give them five minutes go in front of the no, class and tell that. us Absolutely. that the, the, works on their 
pronunciation and their speaking yeah. skills. And oh, clearly. So that's we need to make uh, the time. I feel like our curriculums don't offer us the time to do these fun projects. We're always like, get to the, get through the, the vocab, get through the grammar, get through all this material from the book and pass the test. It's all about to, a lot of it in the U.S. is passing a test. Um, you know, we teach the books or teaching to the test is what we always say, unfortunately. So I really regret that because it's in Belgium we have the same, and I think it's sad. And yeah. the, what you suggested about choosing a topic um, in secondary school, I had that for the exam. So we had uh, in my sixth year for both English and Dutch, we had to choose a topic, and you had to explain it a presentation for about 20 minutes then mm -hmm. 20 25 then five minutes of quiz to see if mm -hmm. it's understanding and then prepare uh, a debate so mm -hmm. you have to have enough questions you have to choose how to make it you can make teams you can you, you arrange it how you however you want so the teacher mm -hmm. said you have 15 minutes you are the boss you are the teacher i am not supposed to do anything mm -hmm. and some of them could not handle it and a few students ended up in tears, oh, no. uh, but uh, mostly it was fine. And uh, and at least you had different topics. So some worked. Some talked about uh, about fashion, mm -hmm. uh, about health, about uh, sports, uh, about uh, whatever video games. But at least you have some variety, and uh, and there are different kind of learning and of teaching methods. So you could have a PowerPoint presentation. You can have videos. Yeah. You can have musics. Um, it could be anything. And, and that really does motivate people, I think. We were mm -hmm. less keeping, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Now, could you have an entire year of that kind of class? Maybe not. Uh, but uh, even by preparing the class, you learn a, a bunch about it. Um, yeah. I think so just I mixing remember... it more in, because obviously we all have to be on the same page at some point. We have to learn the yeah. verbs. You know, We have to do some yeah. explicit instruction of things. But I think just to like mix it in a bit so it's not so dry and it's not uh -huh. just tables and memorizing and oh i wanted to say i forgot to say about the immersion um i just mm -hmm. think it's it speaks also to how children learn and i you know children we don't learn through mm -hmm. verb tables we don't learn even the most complex languages you know children aren't studying and writing and conjugating things out and i think there's it speaks a lot to the power of immersion um that people we're naturally just learning when we're in the context we don't have to make it so hard. I just remember being shocked when I went to study abroad in France and they were, um, I was in a uh, translation class and the kid, somebody made a mistake and he was like, verb to be, is, was, have been. And I was like, what are you saying? And they kept doing this with different <laughs> verbs. And I was, and I was like, what are they even doing right now? Like that had never come across my, I never thought about verbs that way in English just because I picked it up naturally. And yeah. obviously I can use the different tenses correctly but i never had to learn like is was have been you know eat ate have eaten like i never and they were like rattling these off with different verbs and i was like this is so strange and like everybody knew you know if they said you know go went gone like this <laughs> is so weird just use games instead or like yeah but you know one difficult aspect of teaching in that case is well when, when the teacher has a signature language as students which is in belgium mm -hmm. it's almost always the case um, let's say that I'm teaching English um, to French speakers and they would answer to me in French because they don't know how to say it in English. You might naturally go back to French because of, yeah, because it just comes to, to your head. Um, a few years back, I was, uh, 
I was watching, uh, I was in a classroom and I, so there was um, like uh, the stage in French. We, mm -hmm. we had to just observe internships. Internships, mm -hmm. internship, that's it. And, um, and the teacher, she, she could speak English without problems. And at the moment, uh, a student answers in French and the teacher continues in English. And well, after five minutes, she was speaking in English. And, and then she was like, Ouch, why am I speaking in, uh, in French? Because she, she, she hadn't speaking in French for, for five minutes uh, mm -hmm. while she should ha like make an immersion and speak only English. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I notice it too. Uh, at the end of the class, I'm like, I feel like I've used so much French. And sometimes <laughs> you, you explain the grammar and then you right. forget to switch back. And, uh, and, and then I think, but I haven't really given them any uh, like possibility of learning through my inputs because right. I, I spoke so much French that what did they hear? How much, how many words did they hear me use in, in English or in Dutch? Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I feel bad because I, I feel that I haven't done my job and I haven't given them the opportunity to use the target language. Mm -hmm. So but every day is a new day. Yes, but um, sometimes it takes more than a day. Right, no, we used to aim for 90% target language. At least that's what my boss at my school, she yeah. always wanted us to be 90% in the target language, even at the, you know, the beginner levels, higher levels, it's obviously easier when the students are more advanced, but because mm -hmm. it's like we said, the students will stay in the target language. It is very hard to, to use the target language yeah. when the students don't have the level. And that's the same with parenting. A lot of people listening to the podcast have bilingual kids. And if your kid keeps answering you back in one language, it is hard to to stick to let's say the minority language when they keep answering you in the majority language. So mm -hmm. it's a struggle. It's a struggle for both. Well, the teachers. teachers will 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 uh, understand that because I think that if you've never done it, you you can't it's difficult to to, to know how it feels. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, when you teach you, you hear students talking in the native language so much and sometimes we speak grammar in, in French and you just don't think about it anymore because you think about the content and sometimes you have uh, you, you have fun with the kids or with the students. So, so mm -hmm. I, I had a class a few weeks back and uh, we, I had very few students, like maybe four or five, and, and I was joking with them about something. So they are adults. So mm -hmm. um, to me, it's easier to joke with them because yeah. of, of their maturity and the age. And, uh, and I, I spoke French with them for five to ten minutes. Uh, because of, of of these jokes and there was really a very good atmosphere and then I thought okay I use French but at least they feel they feel good they yeah. are enjoying the class the, the, the activity is funny and some things I say in English and some things I for some things I go back in French because of the context or sometimes I have to explain a certain word and they don't mm -hmm. get it and uh, sometimes it's better to go back to the to the native language and I mm -hmm. think it's not always black and white sometimes you it depends on the context, depends on the student. Uh, okay. Imagine you have a student who just is head or their, their head can't follow anymore. And right. sometimes going back to the native language can help. Uh, For sure. I was in a, a language camp uh, a few months back, my, the best language teaching experience of my life. And it was a, a, an immersion, 10 days, only English. Like mm -hmm. even uh, among us teachers, we didn't use French. Mm -hmm. And we, are, we were all. French speakers, mm -hmm. um, except one person who was from Lithuania. But so, well, yeah. of course, then I, we, anyway, we simply use English all the time because it was the rule. Mm -hmm. and, and we created that atmosphere. And then there was a girl who was sick and we thought she had uh, she had a COVID and oh. she was in the bed, she was feeling really bad. And I was with a fellow teacher and he began speaking uh, 
Dutch to her because she was a Dutch speaker. And I thought, why are you speaking Dutch? And of course, I went on to speak Dutch with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he thought she was too tired and she f- he felt he had to use Dutch. And so I did it too. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, it's not these two sentences that will make a difference to the learning process. Right. So sometimes it can be beneficial, I guess, to, sure. learn, to use the native language. Yeah, so and I can uh, see that with kids too. Like it's better to have the connection. This is mm-hmm. for students or for your own children, the, the connection, the relationship. You know, you don't want to jeopardize that just to stick to your 100% only this language rule, which is, you know, just a rule you've created for yourself for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can do our best and every day is different and you have to kind of go with the circumstances. Um, that reminds me, we have a, a program up in Middlebury, Vermont. So not too far from here. That's, it's a language school and they have these immersion things where you have to, you, you sign a contract that you will only speak, you know, whatever language you're signing up for, French, Spanish, Arabic, whatever. Um, language it is so yeah I think that's a really well-known method that you you know and I I think they have I don't know what ages they have for I think it might be high school students I'd have to look into it but I have lots of things I want to add to the show notes so I'll add that to the show notes as well it's something I've already heard about in Belgium there is I think it's called uh, Netherlands Academy I'm not sure it's them it might be something else but there is there are some camps or some schools or, or associations who that have the rule that if they hear someone speak even one word of their native language, they're expelled immediately. Um, I don't know how I would feel because in my case, it can be important to go back every now and again to the native language when your brain is just has given up. Uh, a few years back, I had kind of a camp for three weeks or 18 days rather in the Netherlands and we were with like 150 students from about 30 different countries. Um, And the goal was to speak only Dutch and they had between A2 and and C1 level. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course you have people, you have several people from each country, like we were maybe five from from French speaking countries. There were people Mm -hmm. from Russia, people from from China. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people spoke their native language here and there or English um, yeah. and there was no teachers were not tough on them because they we were all adults so they yeah. have to well it's their responsibility and about once every five to six days I did speak French for about about one hour with other people mm-hmm. and then I thought okay it's I'm not supposed to but you know you already speak Dutch all day long for so long your brain just yeah. feel that there is a language process going on and I, I felt bad and I didn't feel bad when I was using French because I thought I'm still learning a lot. Right. And sometimes the brain needs to rest. So I think when a student uses a bit of the native language, I'm not against it. Mm-hmm. If they use only the native language and I'm like, well, you could yeah. do better, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Um, of course, I, I, I don't think I have so much experience into uh, immersion into the um, the potential of immersion and, and if it's always good or sometimes bad, mm-hmm. so I say, but uh, I think it's the opinion, goal. It's making the goal that you're going to do as much as you can and absolutely. creating that environment for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really the benefit. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be hard on yourself if you <laughs> spoke, you know, French for an hour. I don't think, like you said, that's not going to ruin all the progress mm-hmm. that you made the other 99 hours that you were, you know, speaking Dutch. So, yeah, I don't think it should be any punitive i don't i don't like the idea of kicking people out because 
Mm -hmm. And you're just teaching them that like, I don't, it's too black and white. It's too like harsh <laughs> to say, oh, you made one mistake, you're out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like to be that hard on them. So when, when my student answered to me in French, well, at first I'm, I'm like, okay, but then when the sentence that they use is very easy, I'm like, well, are you sure you could not make it into, the, into English or into Dutch, like according to the, to the language I'm teaching at the moment? And, uh, and then, then they try and they see they can. But so if they say a complicated sentence with a word that is also very advanced or not really into the topic, then I'm like, okay, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But when I really see that it's something easy and that they can, then, then I would try, but always kindly. I don't like to be hard on them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't like to punish. I'm mm -hmm. like, it's your responsibility. If you right. don't or you don't, it's your choice. I'm just making the circumstances, the conditions to learn. Exactly. I'm helping, but then it's your responsibility. It's up to you. Yeah, if you want to do better. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because to me, it's, you, you need to have a motivation because to me, motivation is the most important aspect of language learning. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't been motivated by English, I would still only speak French. I really oh. believe that if I hadn't had this click and I, if I hadn't discovered that I could learn English and that I hadn't discovered how it is to think in a foreign language, I would not mm -hmm. have gone further. But now when you can think in four, five languages, or even, even even just two languages, it's sometimes a firework in your head. And I just love to feel each time the grammar, the vocab, the pronunciation of a particular language. I love how Portuguese is pronounced. It's just funny. The first time I ever heard Portuguese from Brazil, I thought it was a Spanish speaker being drunk. Uh, it sounds like to me a mix of Spanish with Russian because mm. some of the sounds a little bit like Russian, but then I'm like, it's not, is this Spanish? We have a Portuguese station. Um, we have a lot of Portuguese speakers in the area. And I turned on the radio once and I was like, oh, I can kind of understand this, but wait a minute. <laughs> wait, is this a Russian person speaking Spanish? What's going on? Yeah, it's beautiful it's though, the, it is. Sometimes the influence of the native language, you, you have that kind of specific sounds in the language that doesn't use that sound and that's, that's for me to listen to. Yeah. Um, and so and so each time I use a, a, a language, it's there is, something magical in the brain and that just fuels you to to keep on so when mm -hmm. i watch my series in catalan i you know you, you feel like that grammar working in your head and when yeah. you speak catalan you this sound that's come out of your mouth and that you hear again in your ears it's just magical to be able to use all these grammars in in, in to have all that in your in your head and being able to switch and yeah. and noticing how many how many things you can understand all the people you can talk with and uh, and just, yeah, I love it when I just switch from one language to the next. It's difficult, especially when you do it very, like a lot in very short time. Like mm -hmm. if I have to speak 10 seconds and then switching back, that's difficult. Well, not with the strong languages like B2+, but with the weaker right. one, it's harder. But when you speak for 15 minutes in each language, I just love it. Yeah, you can the, really the have the time to get immersed and get your brain wrapped that, around. <laughs> that, that feeling you have in your brain, it's, it's, it's a drug. It's a, I, I think that people like Richard would, would, would feel that. He made a video where a few years back with uh, Tim Donner mm -hmm. and, uh, and Richard said, well, if language learning was bodybuilding, I'd be enormous. <laughs> and uh, it just, I love that. it's just enormous to, to, to have these languages in your head and to yeah. have all, it's, it's like having different personalities mm -hmm. and seeing world through different things, through different aspects, well, different yeah. like, doors Lens. and windows and mm -hmm. uh and just hearing myself speaking speaking spanish or speaking portuguese it's there is something about it that cannot it cannot be described 
Yeah. It's like when, when people like someone who has never been in love and mm-hmm. they ask, what is love? Like, how does it feel like? You can't explain. You can just feel it. And imagine you can feel that all the time in nine ways, nine languages, nine ways, yeah. or even, even two ways, even, even someone who seven, only Seven, how many languages are there? 7,000 on the yeah, planet. Yeah, about 7,000, uh, but with dialects counting in, it's, uh, it's a bit difficult to, to, to right. mind. But even someone who speaks one foreign language, it's, you know, I, it, I, I had a, already a similar feeling when I was only speaking French and English. Mm-hmm. The feeling in my brain, I loved it so much that I kept on, I, I thought, and what if I could have that in, in, in Spanish? And then when yeah. I got it, I thought, it's amazing. What if I had another feeling into another language? And, you know, I would love to speak something like, like Mandarin. So my goal mm. is to speak it in two years. I can't imagine how it would be to feel that language, like really feel it being part of yeah. who you are. Like you feel it's part of your identity. And just to that's understand it all and like, yeah, be able to just take in so much input. I think mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to explain it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to explain but i would yeah. so much like to like um share it with someone for like even limited amount of time like i imagine you touch someone and you can let them see how it is in your brain mm-hmm. and i've already wanted to like make a video explaining how you feel and how it is to be a polyglot and how it is to use two three four nine whatever mm-hmm. number of languages doesn't really matter on a daily basis but you cannot explain that. You can say, yeah. okay, I did that, I did this, I did that. You can make a video where you show what you do. Mm. But someone who speaks only one language, they can't, the... they can't like imagine how it is. Yeah, because it's, it's something you have to experience. You have to. It. And imagine right. that, you, uh, that you have students who, who, who study Esperanto. And after one year, they can't speak Esperanto. And yeah. there are people who never get to speak in a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Imagine that everybody can and everybody gets to have a taste of it. The yeah. difference it would make, that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, it is it's so rewarding good. as a teacher yeah. when you see your students kind of progress a little that's bit where they've not spoken anything and now they're speaking at the end of the year. And it, mm-hmm. that's an amazing feeling to be like, oh, I helped them. And it is, it's just, you're, you're helping them on a journey to who knows where, you know, it's going to take them maybe mm-hmm. just to that one language, but that's, it's opened up a huge world to them. Like all of the things you can now consume, the, you know, radio, TV, books, there's just, a, it's a whole nother, like we obviously culture, um, many cultures depending. And I just think, yeah, it's the best. It's, it's a wonderful gift. That yeah. I think I, I, teachers. I, I cannot imagine how my life would be if I only spoke French. It's, uh, <laughs> it would not be worth living. Mm. Actually, if I could not speak English, I would, it would not be worth living. It's it such would. you wouldn't know. Everybody has a language of their heart. Uh, hmm. To me, it's English. Like for moi, le français. Yeah, I know how much you love it and what and how high your level is, and when, especially when you get to a high level, it really has such an important role in your life. So hmm. I I went beyond B two in five or six languages, and every one of them is like a child or like a a wife or whatever you want to an call arm it. like you can't it's, imagine now your life without this yeah, arm well. it's uh it's just something incredible and uh and with each one you have something specific and you have a different relationship mm-hmm, totally um, and and it's uh i can't imagine like people like richard or many other polyglots who have so many not necessarily speaking it but even having a basis of it like all yeah. those who speak more than 15 or 20 mm-hmm. uh, so in hypia we have people who speak 
we have a bunch of people who speak 15 up to 20 sometimes 25 that's we don't have that many of 25 but plus that, that 15 languages we have a bunch of them wow. and i look i look up to them like i'm like even with nine it's a firework in my head yeah but I'll, we're we're still young guillaume we'll get there yeah well <laughs> i you know i i've been into language learning for 10 12 years now so now that i've let's say that i can express myself in nine that i am that I'm adding slowly Norwegian and Mandarin Chinese. I want to add some others, like I want to be able to speak Mandarin Chinese and Russian before my death. Hopefully okay. I can get there. <laughs> and then others like Polish, uh, Afrikaans, Danish, no, um, like uh, what else? A Korean maybe, uh, Romanian, mm. uh, and surely others like yeah, Latin and modern ancient Greek uh turkish uh, it's a yeah a goal that you pursue over the course of, of a lifetime or sure. over years and as long as you enjoy the process and you keep on going it's it's rewarding and you you end up winning and mm -hmm. so you know you know some people who ask like but recently i had a um like a coaching session with someone mm -hmm. from on the on the a global forum mm -hmm. and the person asked me do you think you could fail on your objective on learning mandarin like Oh, <laughs> and just imagining what would well if what would lead to failure so mm -hmm. how to not get there how to not fail and i told her well failing means that you give up but yeah. if you continue advancing you can't fail <clears throat> so if i let's say that i'm that i've spent three months on mandarin and that i've got nowhere uh, i've just used a method that didn't work I've done that for how many languages already? Yeah. Um, uh, for example, I've tried to go the goalless method that uh, Lydia loves, and many polyglots love these methods. Mm -hmm. It's I, I like Lydia always speaks about this method, and I know mm -hmm. I know it works for a bunch of people. Um, it hasn't yet worked for me, so I'm using other things. But mm -hmm. I tried it. Okay, I saw that it wasn't meant for me, or I'm not using it correctly, or whatever. I tried something else that works better for me. Mnemonics. Um, mm -hmm. With Mandarin, I might waste three, six months, one year trying different methods that don't work. But if I if I continue to try, I will in the end succeed. Mm -hmm. I failed for 15 years to learn Dutch. Now I teach it. Yeah. So if you never stop trying, you cannot possibly fail except when you die. But uh, mm. a, yeah. you cannot fail. You cannot fail. So that's that's a message to tell people. Yeah. If you never stop, if you never uh, like renounce, mm -hmm. you cannot fail. So failure is a choice in that way. Yeah, and failure I forget who said uh, who said the quote that a language is the only thing worth knowing even poorly. It's very true. Even knowing a little bit can get you, you know. Yeah. Um, before we end, uh, could you teach us maybe a word or phrase in, I don't know, pick, pick some languages. I would love to hear some Dutch. I have two words in Dutch, if you want. Mm -hmm. There is one that I will remember my whole life because I learned it in my fifth year. I was 18. And that's a kind of word that you never see in real life. I, I saw, I've seen it once in a movie on, I don't know which um, Dutch channel. So that was a movie in English with Dutch subtitles. And I okay. saw it on the subtitles. It is Benedendek or Benedendek. I'm not sure there is an S at the end. Benedendek. That means... Um, well, I only learned the translation to French. So, le pont inférieur dans la tour. How oh. would you say it in English? Le quoi? Le pont. Le pont inférieur dans la tour. Because beneden means 
and a deck is like uh, le pont. Maybe below deck. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's called when you go under the deck, but yeah, in, in yeah, uh, English, it's also the deck. The word that I I, I never I've never used in my whole life. I've seen it in in a movie once, and as I've been using Dutch for twelve years, mm -hmm. uh, and so I had to learn it on a word list in my Dutch class. And there were other words that I had to learn, and I thought, okay, the, you need maybe to understand them to read the text, but come on, why not? Why learn it? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you always have words in certain class that you don't need, and I always mm -hmm. tell my students, if it's a word that is useful, learn it. If it's not useful, don't. I will not test you on something you will not need. Yeah. I always use important words because mm -hmm. I think that's important to just focus on that, that kind of methodology. The other word is like what I believe is seen as the longest word in the Dutch language. Okay. And it is soldaten, denten, den donsteling. Okay, what does it mean? It, you could make it longer if you make it in the diminutive and plural, which would be soldaten, denten, den donstelingages. Oh, it's so cute. That's a, <laughs> and that means... Uh, um, again, that's a, that's something like in Belgium, you learn it in Dutch and you learn the, 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 the translation to French. Uh, une exposition de tente de soldats, so an exposition of, of soldiers' tents. Oh, I don't even, I have no idea. And, okay. uh, and <laughs> you can put it in the diminutive and plural to add letters to it. So soldaten, that means soldiers. Soldier. Mm -hmm. Tents in plural. And tentoonstelling is exposition. Wow. So, soldaten, denten, den Dunstling. It's one word. You never use. Yeah, that, that is a bit like German. They just put words together. German is worse in that sense, or I, or, I mean, it, it does it more. So, you really have like, imagine having a, a like, um, if you had to do a, like, you know, this game where you put letters and Scrabble? Uh, yeah, Scrabble. Uh, mm -hmm. Imagine that into German. The, 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 <laughs> the board must the be bigger. <laughs> Must be I do wonder how they do it because I played recently in French and uh, and I thought, imagine that in German. Uh, so Dutch also does it, but less. Uh, mm. I think German has words which are longer than that. Yeah, German's not one of the languages I've ever studied. How about a French word? What's a, a French word um, you can teach us? The, the, um, prof, a French word. <laughs> um, well, do you know what would be the, the longest word into French if you, we exclude all the words about chemical components that can be endless? Uh, a word that we often use, there might be a longer word, but that's the one that I have heard a few times. Mm -hmm. Anticonstitutionnellement. Oh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard of that one as being one of the longest. Anticonstitutional. That's it. Anticonstitutionally. Anticonstitutionnel. That is uh, anticonstitutional. And then anticonstitutionnellement, which is the adverb. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really a pleasure. Uh, it was amazing. Pleasure yes. was all mine. Thank you guys so much for being here and for listening to both parts of my interview with Guillaume. He was such a fantastic guest. And this was really the first interview that I ever did that was in multiple languages, where we spoke multiple languages for more than just the one or two sentences that the guest would teach us at the end. And I would love to know what you guys think of that format. If you want to hear more languages on the podcast or if you prefer to hear just English with a couple sentences at the end. So you can always let me know. At, you can find me on Instagram at the future is bilingual, or you can write me an email at tfibpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget that we're going to put a transcription and translation onto the website, which is wordpress.com. The future is bilingual. So you can look for that or find the link in the show notes. 
We talked about a lot of different people and resources and Hypia. So I'm going to put all of that information into the show notes as well. So please check there. If you can't ever find something, just send me a DM or send me an email. I will be happy to send you the link that you are missing. And if you guys could please leave a rating and review, that would mean so much to me. There's an easy link on the webpage to do that. Don't forget, if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social media and make sure to tag me. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Cześć! Co się mówi? Cześć! She's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs>